We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Uncontested Podcast presents Under the Bubble, a special podcast series previewing all 22 teams returning to play at Disney World. We're talking to podcasters, writers, and bloggers who cover these teams to get you all caught up before the NBA is back in action on July 31st. Tune in every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts, for the latest episode in the series. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncontested Podcast. As you just heard, the first episode in our Under the Bubble series, where we will be examining all 22 teams who will be under the bubble in Disney World starting in July. Now let's get you over to my interview with Nick Fay about the Brooklyn Nets. All right, so now we are joined by the host of the Brooklyn Buzz and NBA Outlet podcasts. He's also the head of OTGBasketball.com, here to talk all things Nets with us. Uh, Nick Fay, Nick, how are you doing, man? Jacob, I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on again to preview the same season. Obviously, it's been a weird year for the NBA and a weird year in 2020 in general, but happy to be on. Always happy to talk Nets. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you. You guys can follow Nick. He's on Twitter at OTG underscore Nick. You can find his podcast, both the Brooklyn Buzz and NBA Outlet, anywhere you get your pods. So make sure to go download those and check those out. Uh, Nick, let's start by kind of, like you said, it's we're previewing the same season, but it really feels like two different seasons. So let's summarize what technically is the first half of the season. So Brooklyn, 30 and 34 so far. They're good for seventh in the East and only a half game up on Orlando. Uh, but looking at the standings, it feels like a billion games behind the six-seeded 76ers. Yep. Uh, there's, there's a chasm there for sure. And the Nets are 5 and 6 since the All-Star break, but 3-0 and in, their, in their last three games. Um, and no KD all season. 
Uh, Kyrie has been inconsistent in and out due to injury. Um, how else would you recap the Nets season so far? It's been a weird season for the Nets, and I think going in it always felt like it was going to be a weird season, knowing that KD wasn't probably going to play and it was all going to be about 2021. And then, like you mentioned, the fact Kyrie was kind of in and out of the lineup and we really didn't get to see him play much. It was just all over the place, and even Karis LeVert missed a good chunk of time. It finally felt like the Nets were maybe starting to hit their stride over those last three games. Obviously, the coaching change with uh, Kenny Atkinson being let go earlier in the year and then Jock Vaughn taking over for the last two games. Just, I can't stress this enough, just a really weird year for the Nets, but still kind of enjoyable watching some of the guys, you know, not take that next step, but kind of just see them grind out games. Definitely, and it feels like the Nets have this interesting um, mix of, obviously you have the Vets, you have KD, you have Kyrie, you have DeAndre Jordan, but then you also have, like you mentioned, Karis LeVert, uh, you have, uh, why am I going blank? The big Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, yeah. Jared Allen. Yeah. So you kind of have this, this interesting mix. So it's, I imagine it's been an interesting season as far as seeing vets that you kind of know what to expect while also watching young guys develop. Yeah. And it was so, I think like the weirdest thing and like the most disappointing thing with Kyrie being injured is like, you want to see those young guys specifically Lavert and, you know, Jared Allen and Dinwiddie to another extent. He's not super young, but not much older than Karis Avert either develop that chemistry and kind of build those habits for next season. Even a guy like Torian Prince, who had kind of high expectations going to the year, you know, wasn't a great season for him. And then Joe Harris kind of continuing his three point, you know, shooting and then looking at his contract for the next season. So just, it was just, like I said, really weird. And just like the guys not being able to really make much out of this year because, you kind of hinted at it when we were talking before the show. The Nets could make a move for a third star, so you don't even know who's really going to be on the team next year. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a fascinating team for sure, what, just with so many question marks. Plenty so, to talk about on the buzz. <laughs> so we kind of touched on some of the, the struggles that the Nets have had, but tell me some of the season highlights so far. A lot of great individual performances. You know, Kyrie only played 20 games, but he had two 50-point performances, including one against the Bulls. It was a 54-point game with like 80% from the field, over 50% from three. So a ridiculous performance. Karis Avert had a 51-point game and a wild comeback against the Celtics. You know, Dinwiddie had a lot of big games, a lot of game winners. So I think just looking at the individual performances, there was a lot to be happy about. Nice. And then organizational news so far during the kind of the quarantine and the hiatus of the league. So we know Kevin Durant tested positive for COVID-19. That's uh, that's obviously a pretty big organizational news. Um, but anything else coming out of the Nets organization since March 11th? Uh, other players actually did test positive as well. They never were leaked to the public. I, the Nets didn't actually leak KD. KD came out and said it, which we all know. Um, other than that, like we kind of hinted at, you know, Kenny Atkinson being let go uh, two games before the season was put on hiatus and then Jock Vaughn taking over. It's kind of a forgotten thing because it happened so quick and there wasn't a big sample size. But other than that, you know, and like we talked about, Katie and Kyrie being out for the return of this, you know, NBA season two. Very good. So, so let's dive into kind of what we can expect from Brooklyn down in Orlando. Um, you mentioned that 3-0 and and maybe kind of catching a stride right before the league shuts down. Um, the way they were trending, do you think that Brooklyn was, was on the track to kind of make some separation and really solidify that seven seed? And was there any hope? I, I mean, it looked pretty much like a collision course with Toronto uh, for the first round of the playoffs for the Nets. Was there any hope in 
the Nets maybe being able to make some noise in that matchup. We know Toronto has been surprisingly incredible this season. So just how, how was the team trending and how did you feel about the team before the shutdown happened? I felt pretty good. You know, they came off a, a nice win against the Bulls and then followed it up with a win against the Lakers, who at that time were getting a lot of hype because they had just beaten the Bucks and the Clippers. And the Nets went to L.A. and won, obviously. You know, somewhat of a fluke, but you got to feel good about it as a team trying to build confidence, a new head coach taking over. So I think they were probably trending up, starting to develop some of that chemistry. And one guy who really, like, turned his game up from the end of February into March was Karis LeVert, who was playing at, you know, an all-star level for a few weeks. And that was something that the Nets fans were really happy about because we saw it the previous season. And like I mentioned, he got injured in uh, early November and didn't get to play much. And he was finally hitting his stride and looking like he could possibly be that third star for the Nets next season. Very good. So... Eight games in Orlando. We're going to get eight regular season games, two or three preseason, then hit the playoffs. What are your expect expectations for those eight games? I don't know what the Nets, uh, what what their schedule looks like. You might be more inclined to to kind of break that down for us as far as, you know, it's supposed to be just the next eight games that they had regularly scheduled. But how are you feeling about that eight-game stretch uh, and their seeding. Do you think they're going to stay in that seven seed or Orlando's just that half game back? Do you think there's a chance the Nets slide back? Because there's really no chance of either. I don't even know mathematically if either team can climb to the six at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the Nets schedule. It's not too difficult. I'm going to try to pull it up real quick. They got the Clippers, the Kings, the Wizards, the Celtics, the Magic, the Clippers, the Magic, and the Trailblazers. Oh, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, and they'll be able to kind of dictate their, their seeding because they play Orlando twice and they play the Wizards as well, which it's probably unlikely. The Wizards have a tough schedule. I don't see them really getting close to Orlando or Brooklyn given that they already have a big lead on them. Um, I feel relatively confident about them maintaining the seventh seed because Orlando's schedule is a tiny bit tougher. But overall, I think the Nets are going to probably look to you know, play the guys, the veterans. I don't think they're going to look to play the young guys. They're going to go with a rotation to that first game and kind of hope they can build up some chemistry and go into that first-round matchup. I don't think they're going to be able to upset Toronto, like you mentioned, having an amazing year, and they're a very, very good team. But hopefully they can make it competitive, and I think they have a solid chance. They played the Raptors pretty well in February. I think they lost one game in Toronto, and then when they face them in Brooklyn, they were able to pick up the W. Very good. So who are some players that we should really be on the lookout for for Brooklyn whenever they return to play? I know you've mentioned Karis LeVert a lot here, so I assume <laughs> he's one guy that we need to be looking out for, kind of how he performs in Orlando. But what are some other names of some guys that we should watch? Yeah, I mean, Karis is a guy that I love, and I'll mention him a ton. But uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's a guy, you know, him and Karis give the Nets, you know, two really good guards that, you know, can drop 30 or 40 on you any given night. I think the center battle will be fun to watch, you know, when Jacques Vaughn took over, DeAndre Jordan became the starter, so Jared Allen will be coming off the bench. Watching those two guys compete and kind of who can earn more minutes will be something to watch. And then just, like, overall watching a lot of the role players and see, like, can they earn a spot for next season? Like, are you going to be on this team next year? Can some of these guys, you know, maintain a high level of play in the postseason, prove they're kind of worthy to be on a championship team? But other than that, there's not really a ton to watch. Maybe Torian Prince as a guy that can bounce back from having a really bad start to the year and, you know, show Nets fans why Sean Marks gave him the extension this past summer. Awesome. So, and extrapolating on that question just a little bit. So those are some players to watch as far as how they develop and if they can help the Nets win games down in Orlando. But is there any chance that you think, uh, and specifically you mentioning Torian Prince brought this idea to my mind, any players that 
Nets fans are hoping can come out and perform well for this couple of weeks, four weeks, a month down in Orlando to really drive up some trade value so the Nets could possibly work a deal in the short offseason to bring in some more high-caliber vets to pair around KD and Kyrie. 100%. I think, you know, Jack and I just talked on the buzz about how there is benefits to KD and Kyrie not playing. It's a lot of the guys we've mentioned building up their trade value from Karis Avert to Spencer Dinwiddie to Jared Allen to Torian Prince. I think they're all guys that have been mentioned in possible trade packages for this upcoming offseason being for Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday or Aaron Gordon or whoever it might be. So I think, like, Almost looking to the roster, anyone who's a positive asset, you're you're hoping that they can kind of increase that trade value, and they have a really good opportunity because they're going to have the ball in their hands a lot, specifically Dinwiddie and Levert, who are probably the Nets' biggest trade chips. Awesome. So a little off topic here, but I just want to pick your brain on this. If realistically, obviously the Nets aren't going to go out and sign Anthony Davis or LeBron James or anything like that, but realistically with the – the value of players and picks and everything that Brooklyn has, who is your ideal like third quote unquote star? Like maybe it's a fringe all-star player. Maybe it is an all-star player that you would like to see the Nets go out and acquire in the off season to bring in for 2020, 2021. Yeah. I think this is an extremely interesting question because you could go the, you know, third star route and make that move for Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday, or you could go to, a lesser route and maybe make a move for Aaron Gordon or like a P.J. Tucker or somebody where you're adding that depth and filling a position of need. So for me, it really comes down to the trade package. Like, are you getting good value for your players? Like if you're sending an excessive package and you're trying to compete with another team for Bradley Beal and now you're draining your depth and draining all your first-round picks for the future – think you maybe have to think twice about that. If you're able to get a guy like, you know, Aaron Gordon on a steal where maybe you're not even having to give up one of your great guys and you're trading, you know, Torian Prince and some first round picks or something like that, you feel a lot better. So for me it's it's more so like the trade package and the value that they're putting out. There I don't know if there's one specific guy that fits because like when you have Kyrie and K D you know, you're, you have the pieces already there probably for a championship team and given some of the other debt pieces on the roster. So it's not like they need to make that big move. I think a few small moves could push them to that next level as well. Definitely. So we know Kyrie really only plays the one. KD can, can fluctuate between three and four. In Oklahoma City, he primarily played three, went out to Golden State, played a lot more four, and it's been kind of trending that way. The league is trending that way. Is there a certain position that you think that Brooklyn should should focus on trading for, whether it be a two or a three, or maybe even getting a, a, a better center if they decide to move on and let DeAndre Jordan like be their bench player or whatever. Is there a, a specific position that you think that they should target? Yeah, I think the like it's not, I guess, technically one position, but kind of how you mentioned Katie can play the three or the four. I think they need to get another three, four tweener that is a little bit more defensive-minded. You know, even being a guy like I mentioned Aaron Gordon or like a Mo Harkless or a Marcus Morris or somebody, that can give you the flexibility of giving KD the easier matchup. Obviously, coming off a torn Achilles, you don't want to pressure him to have to defend Giannis in a playoff series or something like that or have to match up with Kawhi or LeBron if he's carrying a big offensive workload. So I would try to get that. I'm a big on versatility and like in closing lineups, having that flexibility where maybe even you play KD at the five and you go small or something like that. So if I was targeting one position, it would definitely be like that three, four tweener. But if you're talking like star, I think it could be anyone, but you know, the one position. Okay. Interesting. So players for the nets that you think could have benefited or suffered from the shutdown and from quarantine. Anybody come to mind immediately? 
Uh, I would. I know I've been saying his name a lot, but I feel like you could make an argument maybe Karis LeVert because he was playing so well and then going on a hiatus, you're going to maybe lose some of that you know smoothness or the chemistry or just you know the rhythm of your game. And maybe even the same could be spent, said for Spencer Dinwiddie. But I can't say it would be really any different than any other NBA player or anything like that. Like nobody was coming off an injury or anything like that would hinder them even more. You know, some guys have mentioned they're a little bit overweight, but I expect that to be a common theme throughout the NBA. Yeah, we've had discussions on the uncontested on who do we think in the NBA is most likely to come back the most overweight. And it's been a fun a fun chat. We all kind of A agreed. lot of Jokic and Embiid. <laughs> yeah, we talked so much about Jokic, but apparently the dude is yoked now. He's got a six-pack and is all skinny, so that's going to be interesting Same to thing watch. for James Harden, I heard, too. So that's going to be... James Harden looks like he did a lot of crack cocaine over there. <laughs> I'm just going to say he's lost a ton of weight. Um, any big changes you expect to the Nets whenever they come back to play, whether it be lineup changes or style of play, uh, conditioning, chemistry, anything, just any big changes that you see coming? I mentioned, you know, Jacques Vaughn did take over the last two games. He did implement, like, some minor changes. The Nets were switching a little bit more, giving, getting away from that uh, pick-and-roll drop coverage, you know, coming out or – forcing the guy to make a play instead of giving up in that mid-range shot. Maybe there could be slight changes to the rotation, but overall I expect it to be pretty similar to what we saw most of 2019 and 2020. All right. Um, Playoff prediction. So you said you see the Nets staying at the seventh seed, and as we mentioned, that ends up with them matching up with Toronto. I think Toronto is pretty safe at two. No way they're getting to one. They could slip back to three if they perform uh, rather poorly down in Orlando. But that Nets-Toronto matchup if that comes to pass how many games do you think that series goes and what percentage chance would you give the nets of being successful moving on to the second round so i think like the optimism optimistic view would probably be six games the more likely scenario is probably getting knocked out in five given you know the players that toronto has the chemistry they have and just having more talent and i'd say on the percent chance that they could pull the upset uh, I guess I'll go with 10%. So let's say if the series was played 10 times, the Nets maybe could win one out of 10 times. Okay, that's fair. And I think trying to compare these these playoff matchups and everything right now is so difficult because the NBA is going to look so different. Yeah. Again, like the, the long break is one thing. The lack of a crowd, I think, is going to play more of a role than what some fans are are thinking. You know, the the crowd is really a source of energy for a lot of teams and what's actually big home court teams like Toronto actually is one of those teams they have an incredible home court you know exactly so I'm intrigued by that and I also think you've mentioned a great point there's going to be like so many different variables where like hey like this team just might not be able to gel in that eight games or get back to where they were playing before and some other team just might get hot during that time we've seen you know teams get hot during the NBA during certain stretches and you know play above their talent level so I think it gives you a little bit more hope in upsets because of just the different variables out there definitely uh before we move on to my last question there's been some talk amongst teams in the NBA of finding a way to give teams that had home court advantage some sort of advantage in Orlando due to I mean, you, you don't have the home court advantage anymore. You played the whole season. I, I like to look at Milwaukee. They busted their asses to have home court throughout the entire playoffs, and now that's gone. Are there any of these ideas that have been floated out that you find intriguing and would like to see them try down in Orlando to give home court advantage teams a specific advantage in Orlando? 
Um, I can't say one like has really stuck out where I'm like, oh, I absolutely love this. I think there were a few that were a little bit ridiculous, and there was a few that like made sense. Like I think the one where uh, the home court team gets possession every single time at the start of every quarter you know it's not a huge thing but it does give you that slight advantage that maybe could help you win a game and it's not like a drastic disadvantage for the opposing team are you telling me you're not a fan of seating one through 16 and drafting hotel rooms (laughs) i didn't even know that was an option but (laughs) apparently that was talked about they would draft who would get to stay at what hotel and i just that idea i love that so much just thinking of orlando getting sent down to motel six (laughs) It's just an incredible thought. All right. Well, Nick, before we let you go, I want to play a quick game. So since the season is resuming in the most magical place on earth, Disney World, I am going to give you the name of a Disney character, and I want you to come up with a comp for that character uh, of a player on the Nets roster. Let's do it. So we'll do a handful here. Uh, Let's start with one of my favorite Disney characters of all time. Mufasa from The Lion King. Mufasa. So I think, you know, you're looking for like a great leader, somebody who can kind of steer steer the team. And I'm going to go with Sean Marks here. I didn't go with a player. I just felt like there wasn't necessarily one strong leader on the net. So I had to move up to the general manager. And I think Sean Marks has done a good job of leading this team and kind of changing the culture of the net. So he got the nod for me. I love it. All right, let's go with Sean Marks slash Mufasa's son, Simba. Simba, I went with Nick Claxton here. The rookie on the Nets, he's this young gun. A lot of Nets Twitter super high on him and hoping that maybe he could be a guy that develops into an all-star down the line. A lot of upside there. Previous head coach Kenny Atkinson even compared him to Chris Bosh. So I think given Simba what he turns into, Nets fans hope that could be the case for Claxton. Beautiful. Uh, Hercules. Who would be Hercules on the Nets roster? So I just had to go with the biggest dude here, and I'm going to go with DeAndre Jordan. I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, I mean, there's no one else that really makes sense. It's not like the Nets have many like physically imposing figures, so DeAndre just being a massive human <laughs> fits the bill. Awesome. Well, uh, let's go with Goofy. Goofy, I'm going to go actually with the other center, Jared Allen here. He just kind of has like a lanky, swingy vibe to him. Even when he gets fouled, he's kind of flopping all around, and he, he doesn't necessarily have a ton of body weight to him, so uh, Goofy for Jared Allen. Awesome. And then last one, we got to go with the icon, the mouse himself, Mickey Mouse. Who's the Mickey Mouse of the Brooklyn Nets? So this is tough because, like, you mentioned icon, and this guy probably isn't, like, the icon, but I think Mickey Mouse, and I think, like, everybody likes him. He's, like, a happy, nice guy. So I went with Karis Avert here. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I like how none of the names that you threw out were Kyrie or KD. You kind of went uh, a little di- – so I sent you a list of characters. Were there any of them that you put as Kyrie or KD? I put Kyrie as Aladdin. I, <laughs> I don't know why. It just kind of <laughs> gave me that vibe of, like, just how he is. And so that was the only one. I couldn't really think of one for KD because, as you know, you know, being an OKC fan, like, KD doesn't necessarily show a ton of his personality and I'm not sure if, like, any of these guys kind of fit him. I did yeah. have one for Spencer Dinwiddie, Donald Duck, because I just felt like he's an important character, but everyone kind of wants him to just shut up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that. I guess we'll finish with this. As a person who covers the Thunder, the team, most of the players that come through Oklahoma City aren't really big on social media, right? Like Kevin Durant. Whenever he left Oklahoma City, he became kind of big on social media, but not during his time in OKC. Uh, same thing for Russell Westbrook, uh, Stephen Adams. I don't even know if that guy's alive right now. Like, I haven't <laughs> seen anything from him. Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been very quiet. Chris Paul, um, professional, but, but not a very big social media guy. But then 
you go to Spencer Dinwiddie, the guy who's trying to crowdfund enough money in Bitcoin to let fans choose his next team, right? I, I just, from somebody who covers the Nets, I just want to know your perspective on what it's like to talk about a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. He was just so blatantly out there publicly. I mean, I enjoy it. You know, obviously I take like everything he says with a grain of salt, like that whole thing about like crowdfunding to pick his next team. It was more of like a charity ploy, but he made it seem like, cause there was no way that I think he was going to be able to raise that much money yeah. for a team to pick his next contract. So like, I think Spencer like jokes a lot and he has a really, he's a really good self-awareness of like an NBA player, like who he is in the NBA. And I think that feel makes him feel more comfortable in terms of like talking out about different things. And I mean, as somebody who covers the team, I love it because it always gives me something to talk about. Like, it's always an extra topic we can throw in the buzz. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. You, you're never str- uh, struggling for content on your Brooklyn podcast if you have Spencer Dinwiddie to talk about. Actually, and he the- might even reach out to you on Twitter. Like, I've, I've had a couple interactions with Spencer myself. So. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yes. Don't know if you know this, but a, a slight Brooklyn-Oklahoma City tie, Spencer Dinwiddie I, dating or engaged to Andre Robertson's sister. Correct. Because I, they, they both went to Colorado. So Yeah, and they're both really good friends. I actually think Spencer just bought a house with her um, in San Antonio. Oh, there you go. Nice, nice. Uh, and San Antonio is actually where Andre Robertson and his family are from. So There we go. We got, we're connecting the there, dots. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's dots everywhere. All right, well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. To our listeners, make sure you check out Nick's podcasts. He does both the Brooklyn Buzz podcast and the NBA Outlet. And then go check out otgbasketball.com as well, as well, where Nick is the head of all things over there. You can also find him on Twitter at otg underscore Nick. Again, man, thank you so much for your time and coming on with us. No problem. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys asking me to come on. You guys do a great job in the uncontested. Hey, appreciate you, man. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.